The All My Favorite People podcast is proudly sponsored by Peace Love T-Shirts. Go to peacelovet-shirt.com to see the entire All My Favorite People collection of shirts, hats, and bags. While you're there, check out the other collections from our collaborators like Healing and Hope, The Controversy, and Ink Happy. Go to peacelovet-shirt.com and use code FAVORITE for $5 off your first order. Welcome to another episode of All My Favorite People. This is Brittany Jones. And with me today, I have Serena Dykeson. Hey, Serena, how are you? I'm good. How are you today? Good. Thanks so much for being here. Serena um, is an author and a speaker and a pro-life advocate. She wrote a book called She Found His Grace. And she is um, a survivor and has started a ministry for women who are post-abortion. Um, and I would just love to just jump right in this morning, Serena, and have you share a little bit just about yourself personally, and then we'll jump into your story. Okay. Thank you. So I am a mom of four. I used to just say two, but, um, through my healing process, the Lord has, um, just really done a healing bomb on my heart. So now I say I'm a mom of four and, um, I am a uh, Nana and I run a foundation called She Found His Grace, which you mentioned um, helps women walk through a past abortion. And um, I just love doing life with people. It is one of my favorite things to just see people walk in the freedom of Christ. And um, yeah, nothing else juices me up more than that. So that's kind of a little bit of... Um, who I am. I love to travel, but you know, COVID. So that's kind of put a damper on that, but that's okay. That's okay. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where are you? Um, Serena, where's, where's your ministry based out of? Yeah. So we are located in Indiana and we got a foot of snow last night. So, wow. <laughs> so you know, it, this is not my favorite, but that's okay. I'm choosing joy today. That's right. <laughs> hey, and a foot could be so much more. <laughs> I know, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm so thankful to have you on. I, I'm not even really sure how I stumbled upon your ministry, but, um, our listeners may know my story a little bit. I'll share just a little bit. And then that way you can, we can segue right into your story. Um, so for those of you who don't know, um, I found myself in a crisis pregnancy, um, at the age of 20. Um, I had been raised in the church and knew that, abortion wasn't a good choice for me, even though I did momentarily consider it because I was so scared and so um, alone and young and in my opinion, had my whole life ahead of me. Um, and so at 20 years old, I, um, I, I don't share this part a whole lot, but I did, I remember having a moment um, that maybe I, sh I could go through some counseling for. <laughs> Because I remember having a moment, um, just praying, actually asking God to just take this baby. Like I knew I couldn't have an abortion, like no part of me felt I could really do that. But I also was so, so scared. And so I know there's a lot of girls and young women who find themselves in similar situations. And, um, for me, like I said, I just couldn't do it. And I chose, and I did choose life. My son will be 17 in a couple of weeks. And, um, just for those who are listening, if you found yourself in this position too, just know you can do both. You can be a mom and have a career and a life beyond that. Um, and I'll say personally for myself, my son is by far the best thing that ever happened to me. He made me an infinitely better person. And, um, inadvertently and inadvertently, he made me a pro-life advocate because, um, I know that though it is hard, it can be done. And so Serena share with us a little bit about how you found yourself in a crisis pregnancy situation and how that led to your ministry that you have now. 
Yes. So um, actually, when I was 13 years old, I was sexually assaulted and um, by an uncle and my my parents were um, just totally shocked in not knowing what what to do. And we were not in the church. We were um, just very broken people, very broken family. And um, we had gone to our family doctor who um, shared with my mom that I was facing an unplanned pregnancy. And my mom here, she has her 13 year old daughter. She's like, what do I do? And the only option that was offered to my parents that day was abortion. And I didn't know what that was. I had never heard that word before. And so I had no idea. Um, I just remember before we even went to the clinic um, that we were told the people outside the clinic hated us and to walk in quickly. And I just remember my mom making a comment um, of they, you know, like just being so angry, like they don't know they don't know. And, and so, um, you know, I just remember that. And so that actually has shaped how I uh, conduct myself outside an abortion clinic because of just how my mom felt on that day. Mm. And uh, so when we actually got to the clinic, there was no sidewalk counselors outside. And um, so I'm a huge advocate for people that to get trained to be compassionate out there. Um, just because I think, you know, how could that have changed our lives if there would have been a compassionate person out there? And unfortunately, there was no one. And had someone been out there and been aggressive and and um, not conducting themselves in a compassionate way, that would have not worked either. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I just have a huge heart for that. Mm-hmm. Um and so once I got to the clinic, once we got to the clinic, we went inside and, and I was separated from my parents. And um, as a 13 year old, taken to a room with um, what they called counseling. And um, I just remember them telling me it was a clump of cells. And at 13, I did not know any different. I had no idea. And honestly, I thought I was at a doctor's office and so I trusted them. I, I trusted that they were going to help us. I, I had no idea. Yeah. And so when they asked if I was ready for the abortion, I, I just said yes. And um, the first time I met the abortionist, he came in and he just said, this won't take long. And it was the most horrific thing that I had ever gone through. And I, I say that the abortion was worse than the rape. Mm-hmm. And um, I think people don't realize that. Um, and, and, you know, there is no care, there is no compassion, they just take you to a room full of other women. And, um, you know, I, they sent me out the door, I had hemorrhaged everywhere. And my dad had to pick me up and just put me over his shoulder and carry me out to the car. And we literally wanted to forget what happened that day. We never wanted to we, we never wanted to, to, to remember. And, you know, what was supposed to help us, um, you know, my mom ended up checking herself in, she had a mental breakdown for two weeks and, um, you know, and, and no one, no, no one bothered to say like, this is really going to be the thing. This is not going to unrape your daughter. Right. Um, and so, you know, there is no counseling, there is no nothing. And our lives just started to fall apart after, after that. But we always thought it was the rape, you know, we never connected the two, like we never connected. Um, when I was 16, I got pregnant again and Planned Parenthood had just been in our schools. And so we thought we can trust them. Like we, we can trust them. And so we went to Planned Parenthood and of course I was pregnant and they said, you're young, you're in school and you're poor, you should abort this baby. And at this time I knew what abortion was. I knew, and I was like, there's no way, no way. And so I got out to the car and my boyfriend who grew up in the church, um, his family never talked about abortion. That was just never anything they talked about. And he said, well, what do you think about 
abort abortion. And that was the first time I shared my story with him. And he just looked at me and he said, okay, I don't know how we'll figure it out, but we'll figure it out. And mm-hmm. we chose life that day in the parking lot of Planned Parenthood. Wow. Yes. And so um, for us, we were scared. Like that could have, you know, we were terrified. We had nothing figured out. And yet um, when we went to our church and we told our church, they, they didn't let us sit in our sin, but you know what? They, they gave us a baby shower. They helped us find housing. They, they helped us with all of these things, these skills that we needed to be successful. And so we were married in high school. Um, in fact, um, my husband, we got married at 10 o'clock in the morning and my husband graduated high school at seven o'clock that night. And I don't recommend it, but that's awesome. <laughs> but we were young and we were like in love and we were going to make this happen. You know, we were going to make this work. And so, um, because of the support of the church, we were both able to finish school And, um, by the time we were 23, we had two little kids, we bought our first house and we were beating the odds. We thought we're doing great. Like, this is awesome. And, um, I ended up having a miscarriage and it just rocked my world. And I never, never connected like, okay, I had my rape. I had um, the abortion and now a miscarriage and all that grief that I was carrying. I just did not associate it. Um, But all I knew was that our family started to fall apart. Um, I, our marriage started to crumble. We were just having a lot of marital issues and then a couple of years after that, my ovary ruptured and I nearly died. And by 29, I had to have a complete hysterectomy and no one ever associated it. Like we never tied it to our abortion, nor no one ever asked either. And so, and I don't think I probably would have ever even offered that information. Yeah. Um, so by the time my kids were in middle school, we had another family crisis happen and it became clear that I had not healed from my, my assault or my abortion. And I felt like I didn't deserve to be a mom or a, or a wife. And so I moved out of our house and I just started drinking all the time. Um, I started using drugs and my life was a mess. And, um, my husband, bless his heart, like he just kept trying to love me so well, but I just was, I, I couldn't receive that love. I didn't know how to receive that love. And, um, one night after a heavy night of drinking, I had started to text some friends. Um, usually when I would uh, be out late and drinking, um, someone would always rescue me. And, um, this particular night, no one was having it. Like they were just kind of over me at this point, I burned my bridges and, and I got in my car and I just started to, to cry. And I was like, I just said, God, I have no one else, but you, and God just met me in my car and he lavished me in this love that I had never felt before. And I knew that I needed to go home both physically and spiritually And so I, I made it home by God's grace. Um, and my husband welcomed me in and I started to go to counseling and I started to unpack all of my trauma, um, but never talked about the abortion, um, because my counselor went to my church and I thought if he knows that piece of me, he might go back and tell someone in my church. And I don't want anybody in my church to know that. Hmm. And so, I just, um, I thought that I had found all this freedom, even though I had not talked about my abortion. So I, I, um, I started in ministry and I was doing ministry and I loved just walking alongside women that were broken. And, um, one of my friends, she actually invited me to see the movie unplanned and I had no idea what that movie was, no idea. And so I get to the movie and, um, it was like watching my life unfold in front of my eyes. And I'm like, what in the world? And, and the Holy spirit just spoke to me and said, now is the time to tell the rest of your story. And I was like, I don't even know where to tell my story. Like, where do I tell my story? 
<laughs> so I got goosebumps when you're saying this. That's so amazing. It is. Yeah. And so like I reach out to Right to Life and I didn't even know about Right to Life. Like it's the craziest thing. Like I didn't know who they were. So I share my story and I, I found out later on they were at their board meeting. They're like, is this lady for real? Like, is she even for real? And so um, I went through sidewalk counseling. I just wanted to reach women before they went into the abortion clinic. And at the training for sidewalk counseling, there was actually a lady that said, hey, have you ever gone through abortion recovery? And I rolled my eyes at her because I was like, I am in the church. I'm serving. I'm good. I'm good. Hmm. And, um, but God had been preparing my heart and how he prepared my heart was you can't ask people to do something you're not willing to do yourself. And so I was like, okay, I'll go. But I thought, honestly, it was going to be for other people and not myself. And God did this beautiful thing where I was actually able to mourn the loss of my children, both, both my aborted daughter and my uh, miscarried son. And, um, it did this, it put this healing bomb on my heart that I so needed that I didn't even know that I needed. And, um, and even with my husband, he was able to mourn the loss of our, our miscarried son that um, we just kind of plowed through that. Like we were just plowing through it, not processing. And so um, I, I went through this retreat and as I was still continuing to go to, to the abortion clinic, um, I was there and I just heard the Holy Spirit say um, that he wanted me to plan a memorial service for uh, post-abortive men and women. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I was like, okay, God, if you ask me to do it, I'll do it. And so I started planning this memorial service and the night before the memorial service, I jumped on my social media to check it. And um, a, this story had broke the abortionist that I had gone to, he had been hoarding babies, um, 2,411 babies. Wow. And I crawled into bed that night. Yes. I crawled into bed and I just started to pray. And I was like, God is my baby. One of those babies. And the Lord said, your baby and all the babies are with me. And why do you think I asked you to tell the rest of your story? Wow. And so like this is, and so from that point on, this is how our ministry, um, came about of just God's hand on, on my story, releasing my story and being able to reach women and men around the world, um, to find that healing that they need and really rising up a post-abortive army, um, because, you know what, we know what that is. And um, studies show that an abortion-minded woman is 85% more likely to change her mind if she can talk to someone who's had an abortion in their past. Mm, so um, yeah, so it's a high number. The problem is that a lot of men and women walk in shame and guilt and they can't even say the word. And so really our ministry is to help them be able to get to that freedom so that they can, um, so that they can help others choose life. And really, you know, it's just removing those grave clothes of shame and guilt and walking in the freedom that Christ gives us. Yes. That Mm -hmm. is amazing. And so good. We recently had, um, a woman share her story similar to yours at our church, um, just in the last several months. And I had the opportunity to be on the prayer team that day. Um, God, ordained it so that it was my first chance being on the prayer team. And it was a girlfriend of mine who had never been to my church. She just happened to come that morning, that service, that conversation, um, and shared, you know, came up afterwards, um, and shared that she had had an abortion 20 years ago and had never told anyone. Um, that's so surprising to me, I guess, because, you hear nowadays, like shout your abortion. And like, there's all these people that are proud of that fact. Um, so it's interesting to me that you have really those opposite ends of the spectrum. You have the women that are like glad they did it, which is Mm -hmm. in my opinion, just so incredibly sad because, Mm -hmm. you know, not only is your life now different, the trajectory of your life now different, but obviously you've 
you've made it so that this person doesn't even have a chance, right? Um, and then you have the opposite of the spectrum of women who have had an abortion and have never spoken a word of it to anyone. Um, and I'm sure that you find yourself maybe dealing with both of these types of people and everything in between. Um, you mentioned the sidewalk ministry. Is that how, how much of your ministry is that? And then I know you also have like a private community for women who have been through abortion. So talk a little bit about the different um, kind of facets of your ministry, if you would. And that way, you know, everyone can kind of hear what all you're doing. I know you're doing a lot. Yeah. So, you know, kind of go back to both of the women, the different sides of the women. Yeah. Um, I find that women that are loud and proud, if we can start getting to the root of why they're, they're reacting instead of responding, you'll find out that they have an abortion in their past and they're so, they're just so broken. And, um, you know, sometimes I find that in the pro-life world, sometimes we go at people instead of coming beside them. And um, I found that when we go beside them, these, these young ladies will end up sending us a message and they'll say, I'm really actually hurting. And so, you know, it's just our approach of, of going alongside of them. And then also the women who have had abortions in their past that are so broken um, you know, one in four women go from the um, church pew to the abortion clinic. One, one in, in four? four. One in four. One in four. Um, so that's a, it, it's a high number, right? Very high. And so there's so many women, so many women that are just sitting in our pews so broken, mm -hmm. so broken, and they, they, they don't walk in the freedom that Christ gives them. And when you start asking them the why behind it, there are so many different things. It's and what it comes down to is the lies we believe, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm not going to be supported, or they're going to judge me, or they're going to whatever. And so I always tell people, like, be careful, even in the church, of some comments that are made. Like, I once had a lady say that she found herself pregnant. She walked up uh, alongside some women in the church, and they're like, "Can you believe so and so is pregnant again?" And that set a lie in her head of they're going to judge me if I'm, you know, instead of celebrating that pregnancy. And so I, you know, it's just being aware of those things, you know. Um, but as far as our ministry, um, I, I started out on the sidewalks and I, I do go out when I have an opportunity. I've been super busy, but we have, we have, um, team members that go out and try to reach the women. Um, we always say that we want to reach them before they even get there. And that's why I love when we're invited into churches to speak and share my story so that we can give the church ideas of how to be a pro-life church. And so really that's my heart and my desire to get into the churches, to reach them before they even get to the abortion clinic. Um, and so for us, um, you know, we have that part of our ministry of getting into the church, sharing my story, um, helping the church be equipped, but also if there's a post-abortive a, a man or woman, um, we want to invite them on their, their journey of abortion recovery. And we have a whole private community off of social media. We have our own app and we, um, once a month we do zoom calls, um, and we just build that community of, um, really discipleship of growing in our relationship with Christ. And even if someone's not a believer, we have people that are not believers as well. Um, but we share a common thing of in our past and we know that that hurt and we want to find freedom in that. And so we welcome people that are not even believers. Um, but we do the Zoom calls. We have a 13-week Bible study um, that we do. And then after the Bible study, we do a pain to purpose course and we help um, men and women find how they're going to turn that pain into purpose of what God's calling is on their life. And so we're just seeing incredible things. It's super exciting. That's awesome. I love that. That's literally like in the title of this podcast, because I, to me, that's, that's where your mission comes from. Your mess, your pain is your purpose. Like God does use these things. Um, not only does he use them, but 
that's the thing. Like that's the thing he's going to use. So I love that. You mentioned that you include men in this, like from your perspective, where do men fit in this conversation? Because obviously culturally, specifically to, to today, 2021, you hear like, well, if you don't have a this or that, you don't get to have the conversation. You don't have an opinion. I disagree with that. I think it very much affects men. Um, maybe not equally. I don't think we can say equally, but I, it definitely affects the, the male in this scenario. What are your thoughts on where men fit into all of this conversation? Right. So we have, uh, we have a couple of men that feel God has called them to lead men. And what I, I love about their story is, is that both of our men, they felt like the decision was made for them. And they, they really felt like that messaging of like, you know, uh, that they did not have a say and really for them, it, it took their fatherhood away and it, it grieves their heart. And, and so for them, you know, getting into the root of how they lead their families, how they view their children and, um, to see them be able to walk through, that grieving process and to be able to lead other men to um, really lead their families has just been this, this um, powerful thing of just seeing their hearts transformed. Do you just see these men become leaders um, because abortion takes that leadership role away from them. And, um, you know, men were created to be the leaders of our home. They were created to be protectors. And, um, you know, that's what we really need to see the shift in men um, become. And so when they walk through that healing, then it's a healthy leadership. It's a healthy um you know, it's just, it's healthy on how they lead their families. And so I'm super excited about our, our men. You just see this shift in them um, where they felt like they didn't have a voice. And now they feel like, yes, you know, this was my child, that child loss, like that was my child. And, and I want to be able to grieve the loss of my child. And I think even for men that, that make the choice for, their wives or girlfriends, like for them to walk through that process and, and really learn how to lead their families in, in the proper way is so important um, and so needed. And so we're excited to see our men step up and, and lead their families well. Yeah. And to the young men and who are, haven't ever experienced this, but are just adamantly pro-life. Thank you. And (laughs) tell your friends because like, it's so, I love, I love going on like Instagram, for example, and seeing, you know, hashtag pro-life generation. And you've got this whole kind of new, um, crop of young people who see Mm -hmm. abortion as a violation of human rights. And even if you take, like, I've even seen secular pro-life has a page that's really great. Um, Yes, of course. Like for someone like you and me, God is our center. You know, we can filter it all back through him. But even if you're not, like you said, for your group, even if you're not a believer, even if you're listening to this conversation, because it's about abortion and not necessarily about God, um, please know like your voice is, a first of all, period, your voice matters. And, and, um, especially on this topic, but young men, like it is, I love seeing young men speak to this because if you, you won't, uh, hopefully, if you're speaking out on this human rights abuse, as, as you see it that way, um, you're, I would think less likely to put a female in this position. You would be less likely to choose that for your, yourself, um, or your partner later down the road. So I love seeing, you know, young men and men just being involved in this conversation. It is in my opinion, as much a part of um, their story and their conversation as it is ours as women. Well, and it it is because, you know, so many women are looking, I know for me for a long time, I found my identity in, in my husband. I was always looking for him and what he valued and his voice. And, and I think, um, you know, since then I found my own identity and that it is not found in him 
But with that being said, like so many women are looking for men to just lead them. And so if a man's like, you're going to go get an abortion, you know, um, they hate that, but they're just kind of like, they feel like they find their worth in this man. And so we need to find men that are like, no, 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 here's, here's your identity who, Mm. you know, you're not going to find it in me because I'm going to fail you. But if we can train up men that actually teach that, oh, talk about powerful and changing the family. Like it is amazing. Yes. Well, I'm a boy mom. And actually I worry every day that I'm like, am I teaching them enough? Am I, are they going to be like these godly men that I want them to be? I mean, praying over them and teaching them what I can, I think, um, while I have them under my roof is part of it. And then, um, you know, just praying God over them because I know I, you know, had my walk away time too. Mm -hmm. So, um, now, let's see, what else do we have here? So you have your private community, you Mm -hmm. do sidewalk ministry. I noticed too, that sometimes you like fundraise or you do like you, sometimes we pray for moms that maybe you've met in interactions Mm -hmm. that are considering. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So sometimes we have moms that will find either, either someone will tag me and say, Hey, Serena, she's abortion minded. Can you talk with her? Or they'll find me through my story. And so really when we have an abortion minded uh, woman, we want to slow down her thinking. We want to figure out, okay, what's driving this crisis? Like, what is the need? And so it's just really meeting her with that grace and that love and that compassion and hearing her whatever that is, like whatever that need is, we want to say, Hey, okay, we can help you with that issue. So like, for example, if it's someone that's saying, Hey, I, I don't have money for this, that, or whatever, um, you know, we're going to help, um, meet that need financial need. We want to slow down that thinking. And so we're going to help her with whatever that is. And in the process of that, we always say that we can love her from afar, but we want to get her plugged, plugged into a crisis pregnancy center um, because she needs that local support. Right. And so we know that they're going to walk her through some of the next phase. And, and also with that, um, we're looking for churches to get, get these young ladies and families plugged into as well. But for us, we are going to meet that immediate need of whatever that need is to help her think, okay, yeah, I can do this. Someone's here. Someone's willing to put some skin in the game for me. They see me, they understand. And really when, when we can meet that need, then, you know, that slows down that thinking. Um, we had a particular young lady who was 18 and her boyfriend's like, Hey, you're going to abort this baby or I'm out of here. And she's like, I always dreamed of being a mom. Like, this is not how I imagined my life. And my husband got on a Zoom call with her and literally just went through a budget with her of just showing her the numbers like, hey, what girl you've got this and and what you don't you know we can help you and and uh you know we set up a whole amazon baby shower for her and um i tell you what they they chose life and the boyfriend when the baby was born said this is the best thing that ever happened to me so yeah i love and they're, they're doing great she just sent me a message last night and she said i'm so happy. I'm so happy. And, but, you know, it was just meeting them in that crisis to see what was driving that, that crisis. And even if a husband doesn't get on board right away, when they see that baby things change. And so we will work alongside the mom and, and whatever, whatever happens, like, you know, if dad decides, ah, I'm going to leave, like, we're going to figure out how we best can support her in her, her community. So I love it. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the main criticisms as a pro-life person that we hear, and I'm sure you've heard it a ton is you only care about the baby while it's in the mother's womb. You have like, what about all these kids in foster care? What about all these kids that need to be adopted? Like, I, I see it all the time, right? That's a very common kind of rebuttal. So 
what do you, it sounds like you guys are doing some of that work of that. It's, it's a holistic approach to really supporting the mom versus like, go have your baby. And then like, Hey, we'll see you later. Um, we right. did, we got her to do what we wanted her to do. It's not that at all. Um, no. <laughs> and actually I'm finding in the church more and more these days, there are a lot of resources for single moms and just the church really wants to come alongside these women mm -hmm. and support them beyond just making that choice. Um, right. So are you seeing that as well in your circles? We are, we are, and we have churches that are just so happy to come alongside of us to help us, um, you know, for, for one of our moms, you know, she decided she wanted to just start a local, start a business so that she could support her and her baby. And we're like, okay, all right, let's make that happen, you know, and the church was so great and coming alongside us to help her support, be able to do that, you know, and, and I love that, that, you know, um, it, I just remember getting a message from her and she was just like, you know, cause a lot of these girls call me mom and she was like, mom, she's like, I'm learning how to do hair. Like that was so huge for her. And we're talking about a young lady that felt like she didn't have much worth. Her boyfriend had left her. She felt like trash and, and to see her just light up and, and not only feel like she's worthy and that she's doing something, but she's pouring into others as well. And she now can support her and her son and they, they have an apartment now and it, she's just on cloud nine. It is like a different young lady from when we first met her, when she was going to abort her baby. And, and mm -hmm. I love it. Like we do, you know, that's, that's what it's about, you know, to, to empower. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Well, and, and long-term like, and long-term. Yeah. I mean, I love that you get messages and phone calls for these girls. Cause that just, you know, that <laughs> I would be like that too. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, he just walks or whatever, you know, um, yes. videos. that's so cool. And it is. what do you say? Because, and this is a little dicey, so I'm giving you fair warning. Um, I see it on your page sometimes too. What do you say to the people who say, well, you had an abortion and now you're telling people not to. So I see that a lot. What, like, what's your rebuttal to that? You know what? So yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there I, I'm post-abortive Um, other women are post-abortive, but you know what? Um, we speak up and share our stories so that others don't go through that same mistake because it's like, you know, it's like someone running into a burning building. Like you would want to do everything you can to save them because it's going to burn them. It's going to hurt them. Um, it's going to change their family tree. And so for us, you know, it's like, okay, you know, we're sharing our stories because we don't want others to have an abortion. Also with sharing our stories, if other people have had an abortion, we want you to know that, um, we have a God that, that has, um, forgiveness and grace and mercy when we repent of that. Right. Yeah. And so, um, but we have to be willing to say, man, you know what, God, I need forgiveness. And I, I, I messed up and we have a heavenly father that says, you know, yeah, um, you fell short and you know what though, I want to give you forgiveness and I want to give it freely. It's a gift. And so, um, but you know, a lot of women and men who walk through abortions, there's a lot of shame and a lot of guilt that they can't even say the word abortion. And so, um, you know, for us, we want to be able to, to get them to a place where they can say, you know what, I sinned. I, I, I aborted my baby and I'm so grieved, but God, and be able to say to that abortion minded woman, like, Hey, you don't want to do this. This is going to hurt you. Um, your, your baby has a purpose, yeah. your baby has a purpose. And if we think that, you know, we have to have it all figured out, we never have it figured out and it's okay not to yeah. have it figured out. And so I think, you know, I think really, um, for post-abortive men and women just sharing, you know, I have, I have them come back to me and they say, you know what, I went to share my story and someone just totally ripped into me, um, totally called me this or that. And, and I just remind, 
um, our post-abortive men and women that there's probably pain associated with that. A lot of times I find that um, men and women have child loss in their in their background and so they're grieving the loss of a child. So the thought of aborting a child, they can't even comprehend that. And so it's like, okay, we need to meet them with grace and love and compassion as well. Yeah. Um, because you know, hurt people hurt people, but healed people help heal people. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I love that. Well, yeah. we talk a lot about on this podcast, some like uh, issues that are hard to maybe have these conversations in a church setting, yes. but very much along the same lines as what you would speak about in church. And, you know, I just want people who are listening to hear me say, there is no judgment coming from this, from me, from Serena, any of my guests that share their story. It really is meant to be, like you said, a cautionary tale, really. Yes. Um, and, you know, when when we say things like, um, you know, I made this choice and now I've learned from it or I'm turning my mess into my mission or my pain into my passion um, or my purpose, that it doesn't negate it doesn't negate the fact that God can do the same in you. Like, I just want people to hear that, um, again, there's no judgment. There's no, like, you didn't, you didn't do anything that God can't forgive. Um, and, but I think you made a great point in that there's repentance and healing that needs to take place, um, in the midst of that, because it's so easy you know, I was sharing with you a little earlier, it's so easy to say, well, you made that choice. um, And I made this choice and I did it right. And you did it wrong. That doesn't help anything. (laughs) No, no. And um, you, you're gonna need, like you said, somebody to come alongside of you and show Mm -hmm. you that grace and that mercy. Um, And I know for me, it was super helpful. It's always been super helpful just in my mothering life. Um, specifically, but to hear somebody say me too, or I've been there or, you know, um, it's, it's always nice to know you're not alone. And I think that's something that you just do such a beautiful job of in your ministry um, is letting people know that, you know, you've been there too. And, you know, God has worked through you. And now you're, like you said, you're able to help others and kind of be that. I, I mean, I do this with my kids all the time. Like, I did this. It was dumb. Don't do it. <laughs> you know, right. like, let me save you a little heartache. And really that's the heart of these conversations. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure people are aware of that. Um, tell me a little bit about your book because you go pretty deep into your story in your book. I want to <laughs> I wanna know what all yeah. are you in for if we're reading your, your book? Yeah. So my book is pretty transparent. You know, I, I really wanted to be transparent about all the broken pieces. And I think that my book, what I hear from people is when I wrote my book is just kind of them saying um, they, they could relate to so many different areas in my book, whether it was growing up in poverty, whether it was abusive family, whether it was sexual abuse, whether um, it was abortion or choosing life. But um, what I've heard is that when they read my book, it's just kind of this, um, you know, recognizing like maybe I still have some healing that I need to do and I'm encouraged because I see that God wants to take um, all these broken pieces and write a beautiful redemption story and so it's really that hope there's hope in Mm -hmm. in all our broken pieces and and I think in the church we avoid talking about so many hard topics right and um, you know I think for my story Um, being the person that was not uh, in the church and for the church people to see many different ways that they can walk alongside people is so powerful. And, um, you know, if, if it's, if you're just someone in the church and you're like, how, how can I reach that teenage girl? How can I reach the girl that's been abused? How can I reach all these different areas? I think that it's a book that where you can say, wow, you know, that's how I can do it. Right. And, uh, and then once again, that redemption story of how God wants to take all our brokenness 
and put it back together and use it for a bigger purpose. And so, um, yeah, that's my story. Like, it's just a huge redemption story of, yeah. of, um, yeah, what God can do when we are surrendered, yeah. um, in him. And that's the key word surrendered. Mm. Um, and also not being prideful thinking that we're in a better place than what we are. Um, because I think so many of us in the church think I'm good. And I hear this with post-abortive women all the time, especially in the church. I'm good. I'm good. But they tend to whisper, I had an abortion in my ear. And I'm like, girl, um, the, you might've had a touch with the Lord, but you're not free. You're not walking in freedom. And God, you know, for us, we see so many women um, that are just really, um, limping in ministry. They're not walking in the fullness because of that secret. And really God's like, I want to set that free so that you can serve in amazing ways for the kingdom. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So good. I I couldn't agree more. It, It really wasn't until I was, I kind of pushed that fear back. Does the fear exist? every time you open your mouth and share your story. I don't know about you, but it does a little bit for me. Um, But the more that you share your story and the more that you have people come back and say, "I'm, I'm so glad you shared that, that really resonated with me, or I've never heard somebody else say what you said, um, especially within the context of a church or like a Christian community. I mean, they, I I don't want to generalize, but promiscuity and sex before marriage and, you know, abortion and all of that, it, it is a sensitive topic. And a lot of times it's relegated to like youth group or young adults, which mm-hmm. is great. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> yeah. um, we're all a little bit of mess and we could yeah. all use that same conversation. Um, now you have the group and it's a private community that you mentioned mm-hmm. Is that open to anyone like across the country? Is that something that they have to be local to be a part of? No, we, our ministry is all online, which is such a beautiful thing because, you know, I always say God knew COVID, right? He knew. And so he launched us right out the gate online. And so uh, anybody like that's what makes our, our community so awesome because it is across the nation, even globally, that we have this community. And so um, we keep it protected um, because we want to be very careful of who might try to get into the group. So we have a whole screening process. Um, So it's a safe community. And so if there's anybody that's like, hey, I'm post-abortive, I'm ready to take the next steps, they can email us at shefoundisgrace at gmail.com. Or go on my website at shefoundisgrace.com and fill out a form and then we begin the process um, and um, of getting you in the community and then into the next our next class. So it is it is so fun. We we love when we're able to do that process with people. Um, and what we're finding is just this excitement of like yeah, we share this brokenness, but you know what? God is redeeming our stories and changing it, giving us a voice so that when that abortion-minded woman is thinking about aborting, that no longer triggers me, but I feel like I can speak into her and and help her choose life. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And so they can find you, shefoundhisgrace.com. Yeah. Um, You're on Mm -hmm. Facebook. Yep. And are you on Instagram or any other social media where people can find you? I am. I'm on Instagram, uh, Twitter. I have Twitter, but man, I just, I feel like with Twitter, I just throw a tweet out and I have no idea if anybody ever responds to it yeah, because same. I don't understand Twitter. I'm just at that age, you know? So, but yes. Yep. We're active on Facebook and Instagram. And like I said, our website is uh, the place where you can send us messages. We get back um, pretty quickly. And, um, and then once we're in the community, like it's just this fun, fun group that we have of just walking out life and, and just finding our purpose. Awesome. So mm-hmm. if you are a woman in a crisis pregnancy situation, 
they can reach out to you if they need a, a sounding board right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just reach out to our website. You can send us a message. I get quite a few messages on our Facebook. Um, so, you know, just if you just need to talk it out, like, you know, whatever that looks like, um, you know, financial, whatever, like we will help you and mm -hmm. whatever that looks like to, to help you and, and baby and your family. Like we feel like God wants to redeem the whole family. And so we want to help do that. Awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then if you, and if you are post-abortive, then you have the group. So you can go to her website for that. And then I also just want to speak to maybe somebody who is just listening and has a heart for this, or maybe like, you know, God's place something on your heart as you've been listening, I would definitely say follow. She found his grace on Facebook because mm -hmm. she's posting all the time of just needs that she's come across or just praying for, you know, specific girls or the people in her community. So if you just love Jesus and you want to pray for these <laughs> girls, um, definitely follow her on Facebook because it's, it's, in my opinion, it's been fun really to watch, um, as you're posting, you know, pray for this mom. She's, she's considering choosing life. And then like three days later or a week later, you'll see like, yes, she did. And then a month or two later, you see a baby picture and I, oh man, I just love that so much. So it's, it's been so fun. I mean, I think it was just last week, you know, like this whole mom that was considering, uh, you know, a late term abortion. And it's like, okay, we need you guys to pray, you know, yeah. and she chose life. Like it was just the power of God, you know? And, and so, and even like, you know, even if you're not a believer, like follow our page, like we are not gonna, you know, discredit you. Like, we're not gonna, you know what I mean? Like yeah. just, you know, we have this thing, come as you are and just let us love on you. So it does not matter if you're a believer or not a believer, like you're welcome <laughs> to just <Yes>. come hang. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank yeah. you so much for your time yes. today, Serena. I really appreciate it. The Lord is trying to shine his light on you. <laughs> I know you it's see that. I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> like, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm like trying to nudge over. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> his light is shining on you for it's right for on me see. I love that well again thank you for your time thank you for your ministry I I wish you'd been around 17 years ago so I had someone to bounce these ideas off of but you know there's a whole generation coming up behind us yeah. that has been just bombarded since kindergarten since preschool that you know you can choose what you want to do at that point. And while yes, God does give us free will. Um, he has created each and every person in their mother's womb. He knew them before they were born. Mm -hmm. He set out a plan and a purpose for them while they were still in their mama's belly. And, um, that doesn't change. It doesn't matter does how much change. time goes by that does <laughs> not change. So thank mm -hmm. you for yeah, no, what you, you do. do. And mm -hmm. I hope as our listeners are logging off that they'll be logging onto your website and checking it out. And, um, we'll see you guys next time on all my favorite people. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks Serena. Hey friends. Thanks so much for watching. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please make sure to like, and subscribe to this channel and hit that little notification bell. So, you know, every time I post something new, of course, check out peace, love t-shirts as well. That's where you can get all of our like Jesus style gear and all my favorite people gear. Thanks for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.